Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, all right. Today's episode is really just going to be about one really simple proverb. One very simple proverb. It's Proverb 17, verse 15. Proverbs, I should say. Yeah, that's it's, pro, it's a proverb, but it's from the book of Proverbs. So it's Proverbs, verse, or I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 15. And here is what it says It says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. One of the things I love about the Proverbs is that they're very, very simple to understand. Very, very simple to understand. And, and this one's no exception. And I think that, you know, when, when something is called an abomination to the Lord, we kind of have, you know, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to understand that there's some oomph behind that, right? There's like, you might not know exactly what it means when it's called an abomination before the Lord, but you know that there is some strength behind that. It's not just a normal sort of, you know, this is, this is not righteous. This is not okay. This is not good. Abomination, you know, we kind of instinctively know, even if we're not quite sure what the word means, we know that there is some power behind that. These are things that the Lord absolutely detests. He hates this condemning the righteous and acquitting the, hold on, justifying the wicked and condemning the righteous. And so, you know, this is something that I think, you know, I I think I heard this from Rush Dooney. I I don't know. I mean, I I tried to find the quote. I couldn't find it. But, but, you know, one of the things that, that, again, I think it's Rush Dooney, but, but he basically said that, that humanistic law, you know, anything that's not God's law as its fundamental premise has that you seek to condemn the righteous and acquit the guilty. That's that's part of the fundamental premise of the thrust of anti-Christian law. And, and and we see that play out in our culture so much. It's just, you know, it's just ubiquitous. I mean, you see all kinds of people who are completely innocent being condemned um, without trial, without evidence, just people that are good people being uh, treated and, and spoken of as the, as if they were evil. And we have and a good example of this. I mean, you know, the, the abortion situation, right? Abortion uh, is a killing of, an, of a human child who has not deserved that death, did nothing wrong to deserve the death penalty, yet you're giving them the death penalty. And that's an innocent person. It doesn't mean that, that they're not fallen in Adam. It doesn't mean that they're not part of, uh, of, of, of the human race and the taint that we have in, in Adam's fall. That is, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking from a, from a, from a, from a, from a theological perspective. But I'm talking of, from, from a human-to-human perspective. The baby had done nothing wrong, but yet they get this death penalty. This, they're, they're, they're innocent, but they're being given, they're being condemned as if they were guilty. And then we see tons and tons of examples of, of guilty people being treated as if they're innocent for various types of reasons. I mean, Hillary Clinton's still walking the streets, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hillary Clinton's still walking the streets. Free woman. Um, and I know she has not been convicted of any crimes. I get that. But she hasn't even... Uh, side issue. Side issue. Yeah, it, it, That was mostly a joke. But I think, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen in this past week is just such a such a, an amazing example of, of what I'm talking about. And first, the first thing I want to do is I want to... 
I want to go into the situation with Jesse Small. Now, I have commented on this before, and you know, you may have heard my comments before. If you haven't, I'll I'll try to put a remember to put a link to that to those comments in uh, in the comment section of this uh, this video. But you you know, you you probably know by now that the prosecution, uh, uh, the prosecutors in in Chicago, have decided to drop all the charges against Jesse Smollett. All the charges against Jesse Smollett, as far as fa- f- filing fake uh, reports against uh, uh, f- fictitious Trump supporters that supposedly beat him up and called them gay slurs and called them the N-word and, and did a mock lynching, all of that stuff, he just made it up. And he was he was convinced that he was he, he was going to go after the real killers. And basically what was going to happen was they were going to find some guys and he was going to uh, witness against them and they were, they were going to be punished for it, for something they didn't do, something that he made up. And so, so they dropped all the charges, and you might think, well, why did they drop all the charges? Maybe they didn't have enough evidence. And, and, and the answer is, to that is no. They, they, they insist that he did this, but they decided to drop the charges. Anyway, let me read you from the AP. Let me see. This is how the article starts. This article is called uh, Backlash and Questions Follow the Dismissal of the Jesse Smollett Case. Here's what it says. Prosecutor still insists Jesse Smollett faked a racist, anti-gay attack on himself in the hopes that the attention would, be, would advance his acting career. The Empire Star still says he was assaulted by two men late at night downtown in Chicago. So nothing's changed in the story. The prosecutor thinks that he did it. Jesse Small still says he did not. But with little explanation, authorities on Tuesday abruptly dropped all charges against Smollett, abandoning the criminal case only five weeks after allegations were filed. In return, prosecutors said the actor agreed to let the city keep his $10,000 in bail. The dismissal drew a swift backlash from the mayor and the police chief and raised questions about why Smollett was not forced to admit what prosecutors had said they could prove in court, that the entire episode was a publicity stunt. Now, let's just pump the brakes for a second. This has not been proven. The case has not been proven against Jesse Smollett. So we need to remember that. That's very true. But what's being said here is is, a, is an admission of a complete and utter lack of justice. A complete and utter lack of justice. The prosecutors say he did it, and they have the evidence for it. But they dropped the charges because he agreed to give them $10,000. Okay? Now, what do you think the penalty would have been when they eventually found the quote-unquote people who did this to him, and he and he uh, witnessed against them and, and, and all of that? What do you think these MAGA hat-wearing white folks would have gotten as far as a punishment? Pretty sure it would be more than $10,000 fine. Let's go on. Among those sure to keep pressing for answers is Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who appeared blindsided by the decision, his voice rising in anger at times. Emanuel called the deal a whitewash of justice and lashed out at Smollett. He said Smollett had exploited hate crime laws meant to protect minorities by turning the laws inside out, upside down, for only one thing, himself. Where's the accountability in the system, Emmanuel asked. You cannot have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them and another set of rules apply to everyone else. Well said, Mayor Rahm. I'm not a Mayor Rahm Emanuel apologist, but well said. Um, There's actually biblical precedent for this. There's one law. One law. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be rich, poor. You could be a sojourner. You could be a native. One law. One standard. Defense attorney says Smollett's record was wiped clean of the 16 felony accounts related to making a false report. The actor, who also agreed to do community service, insisted that he had been truthful and consistent on every level since day one. 
And so nothing has changed. Jesse Smollett has insisted that he's not lying. The prosecutors say, we have a case against him. We could prove it, but we're going to drop all the charges because he gave us $10,000. Now, the reason why I say this is not a just situation is because there is a very clear biblical standard for what justice would be in this situation. When you make up stuff um, and, you know, make up, you know, false accusations and things like that. Now, he didn't He didn't specifically accuse anybody, but it was just sort of a, a class of people, which almost makes it worse, right? Like, like if you were a, a MAGA hat wearing hater, you know, I guess you, now you're guilty, according to this nonsense. But $10,000 isn't the penalty for, for filing false accusations. The biblical standard is whatever would have happened to the person that they caught would, should happen to you. And the idea is that, you know, we, we, we want to nip this in the bud because the law, the rule of law is important to God. God wants a system of justice, a system of government that punishes the wicked and justifies the, the righteous and, and promotes what's good. And you cannot have that if people are just allowed to willy-nilly make up accusations. You cannot have that. The whole system breaks down when this kind of thing is allowed. And so God says, look, if you get caught making a false report, the penalty is harsh. The penalty is harsh. So here's the thing. So, 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 so what has happened here? Let's go back to Proverbs 17. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. The city of Chicago just justified the wicked. They might have some words, oh, you know, well, he, we still think he did it, and he gave us $10,000, but they justified, acquitted the, the wicked. They will not pursue. They will not pursue. They pursued it for five weeks and dropped it. Now, that's an abomination to the Lord. What happened in this Jesse Smollett case is an abomination to the Lord. The same week, the same week, what did we find out about President Donald Trump? J. Trump. What did we find out about him and, and the Russia collusion? We've been hearing for two years about how his campaign has, there's good evidence that they colluded with Russia and he was essentially a traitor to our country. He was a, I mean, some people got real crazy with this, like like he's been a, a Russian spy, a Russian spy asset for, for years, since like the 80s. Some people got real crazy with this, right? I mean, these are some serious accusations. Serious accusations. Like, what could be worse than accusing a sitting president of treason? What could be worse than a, 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 accusing a, a presidential candidate and then a sitting president of colluding with a foreign power to undermine our own country? What could be worse than that? From a political, you know, from a governmental perspective, right? So that's what we've been hearing. We've been hearing this from many people. We've been hearing this from the mainstream media. We've been hearing this from evangelical leaders about how good the evidence was and how he should be impeached and all this nonsense. What did we, what did we find out this week? Let me read this to you. This is, I mean, the, the amount of resources that were used in this investigation were epic. I mean, there were some, let, let me read this to you. The report explains, this is, this is from this, uh, the summary of the, of the special counsel's report on this investigation. The report explains that the special counsel and his staff thoroughly investigated allegations that members of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump and others associated with it conspired with the Russian government in its efforts to interfere in the 2016 U.S. presidential election or sought to obstruct the related federal investigations. In the report, the special counsel noted in completing his investigation, listen to this, listen to this, ready? 
In completing his investigation, he employed 19 lawyers who were assisted by a team of approximately 40 FBI agents, intelligence, forensic accountants, and professional staff. The special counsel issued more than 2,800 subpoenas and executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, issued almost 50 orders authorizing the use of pen registers, and made 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. This was no small undertaking. No small undertaking at all. And you would think that if, if you're using this many resources that you probably had some pretty good information to go on. Like, like, like if I accuse somebody of stealing my, I don't know, my pencil or something like that, they probably wouldn't put too many resources into it. Or if I, if I accuse somebody of stealing my yacht, but I couldn't produce any evidence that I had a yacht and that it was gone, like probably they, I, I, they would take my complaint, but they probably wouldn't put too many resources on it. But, but, if, I, but if I provided some good evidence that I had a yacht and it was stolen... You know, maybe they might put a little bit of oomph behind it. I don't know, but I mean, I've never, I've never made a complaint to the police officers. But, but this is, I mean, the amount of resources here is just staggering. I, I don't know how this compares to other investigations, but man, this is, this is staggering. The amount of time and resources and effort that has gone into this investigation. So you would think they would have had some serious allegations to go on. Here's what it says about Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. Here it is. Here's, here's the important line. The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Let me repeat that. The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election. I mean, do you understand what those words mean? I mean, I know you understand that what, what it means is that, that Trump, they couldn't find evidence that Trump did it. But, but I want you to really think about this for a second. If there's no evidence that Trump coordinated or collaborated with Russians— that means they had nothing to go on in the beginning. I mean, can, can, you, can you fathom that for a second? There's no evidence of collusion with, with, with the Russian government. No evidence of it. Okay, that's what, the, that's what this report after all of this investigation. You, you remember the, the resource list that I just read off to you. There's no evidence of it after they concluded a two-year investigation. That means there was no evidence to begin with. And so the accusations were false. They were false accusations. What do you think would have happened? Now, now, now here's, here's the thing. I think probably there are still, I mean, I, I, I did a couple, I did, I did look at a few people's Twitter feeds and stuff like that. And, and, and things. there are people that still believe that, that Donald, Donald J. Trump is a traitor. He did collude with Russia. There are people that still believe that. I think there are a lot of people that still believe that, even after all of this. I saw, you know, one guy talking about how, you know, the government covered it up or something like that. I mean, this, 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 guy's, this, guy's, this guy's off his rocker. This guy's mentally unstable. But the point is, though, that, that, that here's the point. We spent two years with the, U, the U.S. media and Democratic Party and all of this, two years of people condemning an innocent man. 
Donald J. Trump is, an in, is innocent of the charges of collusion. And we spent two years condemning an innocent man. And that damn, you can't just re, rewind that. You know what I mean? In, in people's minds, it, it, President Trump, Russian collusion. People have been brainwashed to believe it. And we spent two years condemning an innocent man. And here's the reality. These things are an abomination to the Lord. And, and God will judge these things. I mean, the United States, I, I think, is past the point of no return. I mean, look, no, no, no one's really past the point of no return. I mean, even Nineveh repented and God didn't destroy them at that point. Um, so, you know, I pray to God that the United States can repent. But, but I, I just don't see a way out myself. I personally don't see a way out. Because Proverbs 15, or I'm sorry, 17, 15 is very, very clear. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And the sad part is that we've got Christians that will, like a lemming, parrot everything the, the media says, as long as it's anti-Trump. I mean, I've seen, will any of them apologize for this? I mean, I mean, we, we saw Thabiti with the Covington kids. We saw people with... Um, with the Jesse Smollett stuff, with the, with the Trump stuff. I mean, not a single person will apologize for this. Let's just be honest. Not a single person will po- apologize for the abomination of going along with the media and just parroting what they say. Oh, there's Trump collusion. Trump, he's, he's treason. He's a traitor. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And the reality is that we will be judged for this. We will be judged for this. The United States will come under condemnation for it. It's, I mean, there, if you read the, the list of, of, of sanctions that the Lord puts on countries that rebel against him and nations that rebel against him, it's scary stuff. Dispossession, economic disaster, famine, feast, disease. I mean, you name it. You name it. And I think unless there's some kind of massive repentance, that is coming for the United States dispossession do you know how scary that it sounds to i mean do you know what that is that's like i mean the mainland being invaded you you think we're invincible we're not invincible the mainland will be invaded we will be dispossessed of our land we might be citizens of another country when god comes in his wrath and yet we still have evangelical leaders that will do it they'll go along with it He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. I see pastors uh, condemning um, the Republican Party because Trump was treasonous. He colluded with Russia. Calling people all kinds of stuff, white supremacist and racist and white nationalist because they voted for Donald Trump. He who condemns the righteous. I see people that have made a career of doing this. They won't repent. And then I see people uh, justifying the wicked, justifying voting for Democrats. I mean, these people are sick. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't vote for a person who thinks it's a fundamental human right for a woman to kill her own child. That's a wicked person, but you're justifying them. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Do you want to be in that position? Because this is a, we're talking about a person in this proverb. He who justifies the wicked, he who condemns the righteous are an abomination to the Lord. Do you want to make that a habit of doing that? Because I don't think you do. I, I mean, we really need to think about what we're doing here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm talking to you social justice Christians. You really need to think about what you're doing here. The narratives that you've allowed to take, in, take over your mind and the various stories that you've run with. You need to take a good look at the mirror and you need to repent of your sin because 
he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And I desperately want, there's a lot of people I respect that run with these narratives. I desperately want you to stop making a habit of justifying the wicked and condemning the righteous. You saw that that Vice uh, interview with Matt Chandler where he's just disparaging uh, Republicans because they were because they didn't want uh, you know men in the women's room as if they're fools and just like scared like little children. Oh, you know they were really scared of that. And then calling President Obama a great man. He who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And a lot of the people that I'm talking about. They do both of these things. It's not just one or the other. They justify the wicked and condemn the righteous. And you need to take a good look in the mirror and pump the brakes for a second. The next time you see a MAGA hat-wearing person on TV and the, and the media is calling them the devil and saying that they're so evil and they've done this evil thing, take a step back. Remember all the times you, you, know, you signal-boosted false information and condemned the righteous. Remember all the times that you yourself did that and maybe stop for a second and don't do it again until you know what happened. Because at this point, if the media says it, there's a very good chance the opposite is true. That's how it works now. That's how it works now. And so don't be so stupid to continue to make the same mistake over and over and over and over again, because you can't expect me to give you the benefit of the doubt for very long. Eventually, I'm gonna look at you as one who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous. And that's not a good place to be. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.